Welcome to Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. I'm your host, Tim Friedman. I'm joined by Frankie, Frank Ost, rock expert extraordinaire. Frank, how are you? I'm great. It's good to be here. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Wow, all the spooks are out tonight. <laughs> what are you going to go as? <laughs> uh, I think I'll go as a rock critic. Oh, good idea. <laughs> Nobody will know. Today in rock history, Frankie, 1963, Ed Sullivan sees over 50,000 cheering fans uh, for the Beatles at London's Heathrow Airport, decides then he needs to book them for one of his shows exactly. early next year. Beatles yep. said, we're not coming to the States till we have a number one. So they waited and Didn't waited. Didn't take long. <laughs> 1970, Michelle Phillips, formerly of the Mamas and Papas, married actor Dennis Hopper. They would divorce eight days later. Yeah, exactly. The single, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, was released on this date in 1975. I thought it did a lot better. It was top ten, but it only went to number nine. That sounds about right, yeah. Did you like that song? Um, I did. I have to always remind myself. It's one of those songs I have to remind myself how I felt when I first yeah. heard it. Yep. Uh, yep. Really enjoyed it. Um, thought it was something new and different. Um, now, of course, it just it literally drives me crazy. It just sends shivers up my spine. They play it way too much. Way too much, and it's it's just involved in everything. You know, you want to... You want to throw that type of song into a commercial or mm. into a TV show, a movie. boom, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> 1988, Debbie Gibson held a seance at her Halloween party to try to contact the spirits of Liberace and Sid Vicious. Good grief, why would anyone want to talk to either of them? Can you imagine I them hanging out together that. at a Halloween yeah. party, the two of them? No. The white suit worn by John Lennon on the cover of Abbey Road. In okay. 2005, sold a charity in Las Vegas for $118,000. I thought yeah. it would be fetch more than that, but yeah. didn't. That's talk, talk about people who have nothing better to do with their money. Right. Exactly. Barbara Bel Geddes, remember Miss Ellie on Dallas? <laughs> of course I Born do. in 1922. Yeah. Other birthdays, Michael Collins, the pilot of Apollo 11, passed away in 2021. That's right. Yeah. Dan Rather is um, uh, has a birthday today. You know, Dan Rather's 91 years old. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. David Ogden Stiers, remember Dr. Winchester on sure, MASH? Yeah. He uh, passed away a few years ago. Brian Doyle Murray, brother of Bill, was in some really good movies. Caddyshack. Yeah, he kind of got, got in there by association. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's also on one of my favorite Seinfeld episodes, Bubble Boy. A Bubble Boy episode, yes. <laughs> he, was, he was the father, wasn't mm -hmm. he? Yeah. And he also played Jack Ruby in the movie JFK. Oh, that's right. He did. I forgotten that one. John Candy was also in that movie very early on. He was born in 1950. John was. Jane Pauley turned 72 today. Rob Schneider. You know, hey, you know, the, the Frankenator. You yeah, know, like exactly. The copy, uh, the yeah, copy the machine. Guy, the guy, copy machine guy. And he's also <laughs> played in Deuce Bigelow. He was born in 1964. Rapper Vanilla Ice is 55 years old today. Do, 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 do. Can you imagine being known as the copy machine guy? The copy machine guy. <laughs> Frankie, it's time for soon-to-be hits debuting this week, October 31st, 1982. The Fix. Not really a big hit for them. Stand or Fall started out number 84. Sure. It only went up to number 76. Not really a hit, but it's still a mainstay. Classic rock stations all over the place. Oh, yeah. I like the fix. I do, too. Good band. Two X's.
Prince, 1999, debuted in, ni- in 1982. Like, that was so funny. <laughs> and it went to number 12. Sexual Healing was the number three hit for Marvin Gaye. It would be his last charting song. And it started out in 1982 at 78. You know, 1999 is the answer to one of the great Jeopardy questions of all time. Final Jeopardy questions. Really? Yeah. It was uh, this tune charted in 1982, then 17 years later, then 17 years later. Huh. And it was 1999 because it charted in 82 when it came out. 1999, of course, because that was the year. So it was, And then he died 17 years later. Great wow. final Jeopardy question. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if that was your job, thinking up those. I would love it. That would be fun. <laughs> you would really come up with some good ones. That would be fun, yeah. <laughs> Africa by Toto, number one in early February the following year. Started out number 75. And if okay. I ever hear that song again, it's well, like Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay, I'm done with Africa. <laughs> I know. That's, it's kind of a the first time you heard it. Oh, that's kind of neat. That's kind of different. And then, yeah. Dirty Laundry by Don Henley. I can't get tired of that song. I love it. Good song, and they don't overplay it. No. <laughs> Peaked at number three and started out at number 73 this week in uh, 1982. Nice. Hall of Fame albums, in other words, albums that belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame from artists who aren't. Exactly. And yours is a good one. Yeah, and this is the guy who will never be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most underrated rockers of all time is Ian Hunter.
He was the lead singer of the glam rock band, Mott the Hoople, which achieved some commercial success and attracted a small but devoted fan base. As a solo artist, Hunter charted with lesser-known but more wide-ranging works outside the rock mainstream. It was this, his fourth album, where he came the closest to breaking big. It is by far my favorite Ian Hunter album. Uh, Ian says that the title had been spotted on a toilet wall by co-producer and guitarist Mick Ronson, (laughs) which he had planned to use for one of his own solo albums. Hunter loved the title so much that he offered Ronson co-writing credit (laughs) on the first single, Just Another Night, in exchange for the use of the title for the album. Sadly, Just Another Night peaked at number 68 on the Billboard Top 100. (laughs) So well. That song led off the album, followed by Wild East, then Cleveland Rocks. Now, there's a bit of confusion about that song since it was released on his prior album as England Rocks. Mm -hmm. Ian has said, I originally wrote Cleveland Rocks for Cleveland. I changed it later to England Rocks because I thought it should be a single somewhere and Columbia would not release the record um, as a single in the United States because they said it was too regional. Hmm. Cleveland Rocks is a Cleveland song, and that's the truth. (laughs) And true to his career, neither version charted either here (laughs) or in the U.K. When the Daylight Comes and Bastard also received heavy airplay, and the album scratched up to number 35, the highest he would ever chart here in the United States. And in a weird twist of fate, of all people, Barry Manilow covered Ships, which appears right after Cleveland Rocks on the album. His single peaked at number nine on the <laughs> singles chart, by far the best performance of any Ian Hunter song. It just shows you the, the cloud <laughs> of Barry Manilow back then. Exactly. Ian Hunter, not so much, but Cleveland Rocks far outweighs ships and airplay well, these days. Yeah, I mean, it's a tremendous song. And, of course, because we're in uh, Cleveland. True Carey. Yeah, we've, we've, we've had a little bit more of it. Uh, and, it was, of course, it was redone by, what, the, the president of yeah. the United States or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, um, great album. Uh, I would suggest, it for, again, for anyone, pick that one up. So mine would be Frankie, Silk Degrees by Boz Skaggs. You know, you want to hear yeah. an album start to finish that goes down smooth like any Steely Dan album would or Miles yes. Davis? Silk Degrees, great tunes, all of them. He had, the title is great. The, the album cover is fantastic. Boz has been around a long time. I don't see him getting in the Rock Hall, which means this album belongs in. Oh, absolutely. Even if he doesn't yeah. get in. Yeah. Low Down is biggest hit. Lido Shuffle, it's over. What can I say? One of my favorites, uh, a download discovery of mine, Harbor Lights. Not to mention the big hit for Rita Coolidge, We're All Alone. That's right. Which she did better than, than he did on this album, I thought. Uh, she did a fantastic job. A few of the members on the soon-to-be band called Toto appeared. That's right, David yeah. Hungate on bass. Jeff Beccaro, who we've mentioned time and again. Mm-hmm. David Page, of course. Come tell me that 
Jeff Piccaro and his father Joe was not in Toto, but Joe's three sons were Steve, Mike, and of course Jeff. Uh, a lot of the guys joined the band later on in 1984, plus our friend Tom Scott also That's played right. yeah. some of the horns on the album Silk Degrees, a five time platinum album released in February 1976. If I put that album, the CD on now, I'll just listen to it start to finish. Absolutely. Love it all. And uh, I've always said this about the album, but there's probably never been a more perfectly named album in <laughs> history than Silk Degrees because that's truly how it goes down. One in Wonder Time. Frankie, it's Aldo Nova, the Canadian singer. Once in a while, I think of that song that he did. Um, it, that that came on kind of like a whirlwind. Um, early '80s, I yeah. remember it, and it was on the radio all the time. Mm-hmm. Fantasy, life is just a fantasy. Yeah. yeah, I always got it mixed up with uh, Red Rider. Exactly. Yeah, Tom Cochran and Red Rider, Aldo Nova, mm-hmm. same kind of thing, and. Uh, it really was a little bit different than anything else on the radio at the time, so mm-hmm. it was a fun song. Yeah, they were out at the same time, Bertie Higgins and Key Largo, <laughs> <laughs> Chariots of Fire, uh, the singer-songwriter from Canada and producer at number 23 on the Billboard charts in 1982 with Aldo Nova. Uh, VH1-listed Fantasy as number 78 on the all-time 100 greatest one-hit wonders of all time. Yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah. And boy, I would have thought it was higher than number Me 23. Too. I mean, just remembering how much it got played. But it was one of those songs they could play on just about any format, too. So they could get, a, they could get away with it in a lot of places. <laughs> Great start then, dot, dot, dot. An MTV video favorite and one of the weirdest uh, videos I think I've ever seen. Dexie's yep. Midnight Runners. You're absolutely right. 
this great Irish group produced the excellent album To Rye in the last 44 years. <laughs> really? Yeah. I you counted know, <laughs> them. <laughs> and Texas was spelled without an apostrophe. It was. And that's what they call them now, Dexies. Dexies. Yeah, they, they kind of prefer to be called that. Come on, Eileen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still don't really like that song. It, yeah, I hear it uh, <laughs> once crazy. a year on St. Paddy's Day. It's huge on St. Paddy's yeah. Day. and then Along the, with the Irish Rovers. Exactly. And it could have been a party <laughs> or wasn't a party. <laughs> uh, the uh, unicorn song. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Frankie names his three best albums in no particular order this week. Our very first featured artist and one of your favorites of all time, Chicago. Yes, definitely. And interestingly enough, all three of these albums are double record sets. First one, Chicago Transit Authority, now kind of known as Chicago One. Uh, It had instrumentals, jazz, blues, and a seven-minute guitar solo. In the midst of all that, it had two hit songs, Beginnings and Does Anybody Really Know What Time It Is, that are still the backbone of their live shows to this very day. Uh, Next one was the very next record, uh, Chicago now known as Chicago 2, mm-hmm. released the same year, interestingly enough, as Blood, Sweat, and Tears 3. Then finally, Chicago 7, and I've talked about this one um, before. Um, five of the first six songs were instrumental. Not long ago, I featured one of them, Devil's Sweet, as my favorite instrumental. It's a terrific jazz fusion album, and in my opinion, truly their last great studio album. Chicago 13, not on the list, Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to believe. Oh. Um, and I believe me, I, I liked plenty of the albums that came afterwards, but I really thought that um, those three kind of were the pillars of their uh, career. Take away those three, and they're pretty much a MOR band, you know. I know how you like bands with horns. Tower of Power, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. When you were a young pup, 13, 14 years old, young fella, listening to Blood, Sweat, and Tears, digging the music, right? Yep. And then they kind of started fading away, and you were thinking, boy, I hope hope this genre, oh, wait a minute, here's Chicago. (laughs) And what's funny is, out of all the bands, and there were quite a lot of bands, believe it or not, right around that time period, uh, like Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Ides of March, uh, Chase, there were a lot of it that were playing in that field, 
And it seemed like Chicago just wiped them all out. Like there was room for one band like that. Lighthouse was another mm-hmm. one. Uh, there was room for one band, and they were it. <laughs> and not just the rock bands. You liked Maynard Ferguson. Exactly. And yeah. Al, you're probably a fan of Al Hurt in a way. Oh, yep, definitely. It's time for artists who debuted at number one or number two. This is a number one for Bobby Gentry, Ode to Billy Joe. Oh, yeah. I remember when that was out. It was the third of June, another sleepy, dusty Delta day. I was out chopping cotton and my brother was baling hay. time we stopped and walked back to the house to eat and mama hollered at the back door y'all remember to wipe your feet and then she said i got some news this morning from choctaw ridge today billy joe McAllister jumped off the tallahatchie bridge Papa said to Mama as he passed around the black-eyed peas Well, Billy Joe never had a lick of sense Pass the biscuits, please There's five more acres in the lower 40 I got to plow Mama said it was a shame about Billy Joe anyhow. Spent three weeks at number one, September 1967. You know, she wrote the song and sang it only because she didn't want to pay anybody else to sing it. Oh, okay. Isn't that funny? Uh, the song helped her win four, count them, four Grammy Awards the following year, including Best Arrangement, Best Pop Female Performance, Best Contemporary Solo Performance by Female, and Best New Artist. The album has the distinction of knocking Sgt. Pepper's right out of the top of the charts. That's incredible. It only stayed at number one for one week. <laughs> <laughs> Sgt. Pepper's had a 15-week stay at the top, but it's also number one, Ode to Billy Joe was, on the Hot Country chart. All right, Frankie, it's a new category. It's called Guilty Pleasures. Or Ooh, yeah. <laughs> guilty Pleasures, stuff we like to listen to <laughs> that maybe we haven't talked about a lot or we really don't want to mention it or broadcast it too exactly. much. Exactly. <laughs> but I really like it. And we were sitting around just listening to music. I was just kind of calling up songs here and there. I had Mariah Carey on there and something from Everything But The Girl. I even had Echo Smith I was listening to. There you go. Watching on YouTube because I want to hear the songs. And so you have a really, really good one in if. This guy, Gary Newman, if that is the epitome of a new wave artist, that album, The Pleasure Principle, 1980, does it, right? Absolutely. This is a song that I loved in college. Yep.
Now, to watch the video from the 1979 song Cars is to look back at all that was bad about New Wave. It looks like your nerdy neighbor put on some makeup, went down in their basement, and equipped with a small light show, turned up the song and did kind of whatever for the camera. And believe it, once MTV was turned on 18 months later, they wore out the silly clip. (laughs) In true New Wave fashion, there are no cars in the video, though at one point there are five Gary Newmans appearing to be driving, holding an imaginary (laughs) steering wheel. And the singing, yep, properly robotic for the material. Plus, there are only 84 words in the song. Yeah, I counted. Uh, Not too difficult for any singer. And by the 1 minute 30 second mark, the song becomes an instrumental. So how did this song go top 10 in the States and number 1 in Canada and the UK? Well, it has one of those melodies that just stays with you. And since it was built verse, instrumental break, then bridge, there is no chorus, we repeat that melody seemingly endlessly. I love that song, Cars. <laughs> do, 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 do. It is, it's a wonderful song, and, and, and I tease it because of the video, and it really does look like your, your neighbor just fooling around with makeup. And, and I yeah. mean, there was like no expense was spared on this video. <laughs> and yet, you know, it, it became a great hit and uh, a song that I really like. It, and um, we're getting together uh, uh, very soon here for a party and it will be on my playlist. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> a Halloween party, right? Exactly. Gino Vanelli is mine, the Canadian singer from Montreal. Wow, I remember him. started buttoning his shirt and sure. belly button. Like to show off the chest hair. Hits like people gotta move. I just wanna stop living inside myself. That was from the 1981 album Nightwalker. That's I love that album Nightwalker. Now they always showed Gino with a close up, you know, the the curly hair, and yeah, the, mustache the hair, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the hair looked like either Yanni or the close up, like <laughs> Phil Collins, yeah. real tight close up of the head. 
But Nightwalker was a really cool uh, album cover. Could have been one of your favorites if you knew about the album. Sure. 1981's Nightwalker. It starts off the album, that song, by the way, Living Inside Myself's On The Other Side. But, man, I love that, that song, Nightwalker. I'll listen to it anytime. It brings me right back to the summer of 81. Um, he's still putting on music, Frankie. Yeah, and it's, it's a song, song a lot like Cars, that it, it just brings you back to a time period. When, yep. you, when you hear that song, you kind of close your eyes and go, yeah. <laughs> Once in a while, you'd hear it on the radio. G98 or somebody would right. play it because that's what I was listening to back then. You had the window down because you had no air conditioning in the car. Sure. You had your little FM converter underneath the dash. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of tune in 98 and just leave it there. And I, I remember Gino Vanelli, and uh, he actually was uh, fairly popular at one time. Oh, he sure. actually had had some uh, decent years of popularity. The, yes. the Juno Award is Canadian equivalent to Grammys. He was a exactly. two-time Juno Award winner in the seventies for Best Male Artist. There you go. And he's had an album on the last each of the last three years. That's wild. Rock releases the week of October thirty-first. And in 1972, Living in the Past, Jethro Tull. Frankie. Yeah, I have a little bit on that. Um, number one, the single was actually released in 1969, climbing to number three in the UK. Then it was released three and a half years later uh, as a single here in the United States. Living in the Past is not a Tull studio album. It is actually a quasi-compilation collection which contains album tracks, outtakes, some hits, and a live side that was recorded at none other than Carnegie Hall. Uh-huh. And finally, um, the U.S. vinyl, U.K. vinyl, U.S. CD, U.K. CD, and Mobile Fidelity Sound Lab Edition all have very different track programming, so buyer beware on this one. I would seek out the Sound Lab Edition as the two-CD set covers all the ground of the original LP and adds some nice extras. Wow. But yeah, uh, very. <laughs> every one of them is a totally different programming, so you don't know what you're really getting. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll just stick with the single. I don't there you know. go. Sly and the Family Stone in 1971 released There's a Riot Going On. Oh, another good one. Same day, Nielsen Schmielsen. Traffic released The Low Spark of High-Heeled Boys, all three of those oh, same day. That's three good, three good <laughs> albums, and uh, I owned all three of them. Mm-hmm. Seems like I don't waste my time. Wish I was home again, sipping my wine. And I'm gone, gone, gone. I don't care. Cause I'm gone, gone, gone. I don't care. This is where I'm from. I'm on the road again. London's a mighty long time.
Here's one I own, The Pretender, Jackson Brown, 1976. Of course. Three years later, Freedom at Point Zero, that was uh, the one with Jane that debuted Mickey Thomas as the new lead singer. Right. Creamed Israeli Gears, 1967. The Police Without Landis de Moore, mm. 78. Hall and Oates, Abandoned Luncheonette, that's the one with She's Gone on yes. it. 73. History, America's Greatest Hits, performed very well for them. 1975 was released. Yeah, that was another one of those records that just everybody seemed to have. Yeah, as I do. I think I have both copies, um, CD and album. Footloose mm-hmm. and Fancy Free, November 4th, 1977. It's Rod Stewart. Madman Across the Water. Boy, this is a good That's week a for... Uh, yeah, good stuff. Releases. Phil Collins, Hello, I Must Be Going, 1982. That's a good album. Monkeys, Pisces, Aquarius, you know. 1967. Tonight I'm Yours, Rod Stewart, 1981. And Shake It Up by the Cars also. 1981. Good sure. stuff for that whole week as we mm-hmm. head in toward November and into the holiday buying season. Right. And then that's probably why there are so many of those released at that time because of the holiday season coming. It's coming up. Featured artist time, Frankie the Temptations. Whoa. in 1960 under the name The Elgins and featuring five male vocalists. Yeah. You know, they kind of came from rival groups. They saw each other at local talent shows and whatnot, all around the same age, in the Motor City, in the early 60s, Otis Williams, Elbridge Al Bryant, and Melvin Franklin of Otis Williams and The Distance. Then Eddie Kendricks and Paul Williams of a group called The Primes. Isn't that, isn't that neat? Oh, wow. They were really good... Um, miniseries that aired on ABC back in 90s, I guess, depicting how this all got started. Al Bryant was replaced by David Ruffin, lead vocalist for lots of their hits, including sure. It Would Rain and My Curl, their mm-hmm. great number one song. Talking about 
too proud to beg. Two vocal groups would compete and then kind of combine members. David was replaced in 1968 when they began their psychedelic phase. That's right, yes. New member Dennis Edwards with the sings, sings the songs, Ball of Confusion, Can't Get Next to You. Score four number ones on the Hot 100 and 14 number one singles on the R&B charts. And I like them all. It, and it's incredible. You, listening to that, it makes you wonder, what would have happened if there had been no Motown? Hmm. I mean, would these guys just have been lost to time? It's just, it's shocking. Just lost to so singing much, under so a streetlight. So light much of that talent came out of the actual Detroit area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you combine great producer, songwriters. Just My Imagination, Papa Was a Rolling Stone. Oh, great tune. Both of those included in the Rock Hall's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. Exactly. Papa was released in the fall of 72. It hit number one the first week of December in 72. And although it was released about a, uh, they released about a dozen more singles after that. That was the one that did the best for them. They really didn't have much after that, did they? Yeah. Um, I think that was the first one that they did without, either Eddie Kendricks or David mm-hmm. Ruffin. And I think that at that point, you know, things were starting to slide. Uh, they, Like you said, they'd have a couple of good singles, but um, 
Their peak was over. They had peaked. Let's yeah. put it that way. Norman Whitfield was a producer who co-wrote the song, uh, but friction emo- arose among the group because they thought the song was too orchestrated and it overshadowed their wonderful vocals. They were probably right. Mm-hmm. The song is awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean... The 45 version, which you hear, you heard back on the radio, is only like three minutes long. But if you want to hear a good one, the album mix came in at either seven minutes long or 11 minutes and 44 seconds. Wow. And that those were the days. And boy, they had some wonderful versions of some of those songs. Uh, I would love to get my hands on that 11-minute version. Too, I wonder yeah. where it, wonder where you can find that. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees in 1989, inducted by Hall & Oates. You recall the That's couple right, of members yeah. performed with them on stage at the Apollo. Sure. Other inductees that night were Otis Redding, Dion, The Stones, and Stevie Wonder. Good grief. What night 1989, that was. They still perform on stage with founder Otis Williams, still in the group. He owns the rights to the name, but he doesn't 
do the lead singing. He kind of manages things, but he's older now. Gotcha. And I saw him in concert at one of the fundraising things they do at Playhouse Square in Cleveland, uh, maybe two, three years ago, before COVID. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, they go, who's ready to rock and roll? <laughs> I'm not sure I am, because it's going to be 9, 30, 10 o'clock, all right? <laughs> and they looked still a little old to be on stage. They gave it their all, but... Uh, Just isn't the same. No. Yeah. But get this. Singles. The way you do your things you do, their first top 20 hit. You know things are heading in the right direction. Oh, yeah. My Girl. It was co-written and co-produced by Miracles members, Smokey Robinson and Ronnie White. That's right. Love yeah. that song. Yet Smokey didn't have a number one of his own until Tears of a Clown years later, and he only co-wrote that with Stevie Wonder. Yeah, funny? It's, it's amazing that they, there was so much interplay with all those groups and all mm-hmm. those personalities. Just It was just a hotbed of, uh, of sound. One of my favorites, Get Ready, Sh- Psychedelic oh, yeah. Shack, Wish <laughs> It Would Rain, Ball of Confusion. A really cool song called Since I Lost My Baby. Mm-hmm. Sun is shining, there's plenty of light. Oh, yeah. A new day is dawning, sunny and bright. Oh, yeah. But after I've been crying all Cold and the new day seems old since I lost my baby. 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 Birds are singing and the children are playing. There's plenty of work and the bosses are paying. Not a sad word should a young heart be saying. But fun is a bore. It's going to be a guilty pleasure of mine pretty soon, but um, the Osmond Brothers, <laughs> of all people, have just a great version of the song Can't Get Next to You. Oh, okay. Because it features yeah. all the voices. Meryl and Donnie has the high voice. You have Jay in there sure. and Alan. It's exactly. really, really good. And I remember seeing them in concert. I think I told you that was the first concert I ever attended. My sister Mickey and I took a cab downtown. You know, we couldn't have had better <laughs> if it were red carpet treatment. Oh, nice. Sat in like the fourth row and Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods Open for the Osmond Brothers. Oh, on my the, goodness. On a double loving tour. 1967, David Ruffin became a little difficult to deal with, Frankie, having demanded his own private mink-lined limousine. <laughs> I like, like it. The other fellas took a regular limousine, but he wanted to share his mink-lined limo, only him, with his then-girlfriend, Tammy Terrell. Oh, that's right. Get a little demanding. So he wanted the group to be known as David Ruffin and the Temptations, having seen what Motown did with Diane Ross and the Supremes, Martha and the Vandellas. That didn't sit too well with the group. I'm sure it didn't, yeah. Following his absence from a show in Cleveland, he was fired from the group. Replaced by Dennis Edwards in June 1968, Ruffin would appear out of the blue sometimes at future shows, joining him on stage. And for a time they thought, well, I guess we 
maybe we were acted hastily. We could have him back. So they thought about having him back. They said something to him, and he said, that sounds cool. I'll see you at the next show, and didn't show. Never showed up. <laughs> so that was the end of that. That's great. He would appear, and he would. David would later persuade Eddie Kendricks to go solo on his own. Right. And did so in November 1970. The solo career was chronicled by Frankie in yeah. our Great Start Then dot, dot, dot segment not too long ago. Yeah. Um, two great entertainers. Um, but it just shows that a lot of these groups are more about the gel of the people in it than the, the solo individuals. You know, so yes, some of them, some of them worked, mm-hmm. but, but most of them didn't. So the, um, the members of the group, Paul Williams, had trouble with alcohol. Frankie, he fell into depression because of his sickle cell ailment. His oh, physical and mental health would steadily decline, yeah. and he would die at age 34. Mm. In 1973, a gun was found near his body. His death was ruled a homicide, although his family thinks otherwise to this day. Yeah, I would, I would kind of think so, too. Talked about Otis Wilson, now the only remaining original member, still performing. Doesn't do any lead singing, but he's still with the group. I don't know if they're performing anymore. COVID, and now they're even three years older. Than it, when exactly, they're three years older than they were when you saw them. So. Eddie Kendricks died in October 1992 at only 52. He suffered from lung cancer, most likely brought on by his over 30 years of smoking. Sure. However, he did continue to tour through the summer of 92. He was the lead singer of The Way You Do the Things You Do and Get Ready, Just My Imagination. Of course, Keep on Trucking. He had a great oh, voice, yeah. didn't he? What a fantastic voice. David Ruffin died of a drug overdose at just 50 in 1991. Melvin Franklin was only 52, and he passed away 27 years ago. 27? These guys have been gone from us for over 30 years Exactly. Almost. And yet there's somebody out there still calling themselves the Temptations. Temptations. Ruffin and Kendrick, Eddie would drop the S in the 80s, perform with Hall and Oates <laughs> at the Apollo Theater in 1985, and also sang with Hall and Oates at Live Aid, which we right. mentioned. Yeah. I remember that because I didn't watch much of it. Absolutely. So that's the Temptations, our featured artist this week. We'll do four tops sometime, maybe the spinners as we move toward, because we've had Stevie Wonder on before. Motown artists are great. My brother Ricky loved Motown. Yeah, and I, uh, of course, I liked a lot of Motown. Um, and it's it's fun to go back and listen to uh, some of the songs and and hear hear the stories that mm-hmm. they tell. It's incredible. Uh, but as I said before, how these groups all came together and uh, most of them were from Detroit or the Detroit area. That's just incredible. And some like Marvin Gaye, who we've also featured, had their issues with Barry Gordy. Maybe they were overshadowed. They thought by the Jacksons or Diana Ross and the Supremes, who had such sure. tremendous success. And maybe, you know, I don't want a kid's group doing better than me. I certainly don't want a woman doing better than me. Might have had something to do with it in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, a lot of them had to kind of fight for their freedom. Mm-hmm. They really did. Um, some and did and some didn't. Some so. did and some didn't. Yeah. But, uh, of course, like you said, Marvin Gaye and, of course, Stevie Wonder. Uh, they fought hard to get their uh, independence. And, boy, once they did. Ooh. Yeah, what that, fantastic yeah. stuff they put. The Motown sto- sound was good. So was the Philadelphia sound with sure. the stylistics and Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes and so many other great acts. TSOP coming out of Philadelphia. Right, yeah. Tom Bell and all those guys. Mm-hmm. So that's The Temptations. Frank, thanks for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. Next time around, British artist George Michael. Nice. We made a call for him to be in the Rock Hall. Sure. 
Um, and one of his albums, Faith, is probably going to be on my Hall of Fame albums list. It already is. I just don't know when I'm going to put it on. But Absolutely. it's definitely going to be there. <laughs> it's like a 15-time platinum album or something like that. So that's George Michael next week. And a couple weeks from now, Elton John That'll be part two. You know, we had him as a featured artist at the toward the end of season one. And bring back some of these um, featured artists we had early on and give them a new twist or a fresh look at some of those early featured artists. Absolutely. That's next week with George Michael. For rock expert Frank Ost, I'm Tim Friedman. We'll see you next time.